Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information, or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. A couple years ago, 2020 aired a special on temptation and an experiment with children. Child after child was led into a room and given four M&Ms. They were then told to wait that in 10 minutes an adult would be back and that if all four M&Ms were still there, they would be rewarded with four more. Basically, these kids had a choice, four M&Ms now or eight M&Ms later. The adults then left the room, and a hidden camera zoomed in on each child to see what each would do. Some were able to wait. Most of the kids, however, could not. And what I remember most about the kids who could not wait, the ones who ate the four M&Ms rather quickly, is that so many of them, after doing so, felt scared and depressed and a little anxious because they sensed that they had failed a test. Um, I share this image because it's the best image I can think of to explain the story of God's children in the Old Testament. After 400 years of Egyptian slavery, they are given a vision of a better future. But as the story goes, to get to the promised land, they first had to enter the wilderness where their faithfulness to God would be tested. But in the wilderness, there were certain M&Ms, which if eaten, would seriously jeopardize the good future that God wanted them to have. In a sense, their time in the wilderness was a test. If the people could not resist temptation, and remain faithful to God, then the Exodus experiment would be in jeopardy, and they would be at risk of forfeiting the promised land. Well, if you've read the Bible, the people of Israel, they ate the M&Ms in front of them. When confronted with the wilderness, they did not fully trust in God's provision. You see, something very human happened rather immediately after their miraculous escape from Egypt. They got restless, they got scared, and they were confused. Because there they were in the wilderness all alone, and they realized they didn't have any food. And so one minute, the Israelites are rejoicing and playing their tambourines and thanking God for parting the Red Sea. And then the next minute, they are complaining because they are hungry. And so I want to read a paraphrase to you from the book of Exodus, chapter 16, verses 2 through 5. And to give you a little context, these verses directly follow Israel's big celebration having left Egypt. Basically, this is what happens on their first day of freedom after four centuries as slaves. The author of Exodus writes, The whole community, the whole community, began to grumble against God, saying, We'd be better off dead in Egypt, where there was plenty of food, but you, God, have brought us out into the wilderness to kill us. 
to starve us to death. Then the Lord responded, I am going to send you bread from heaven, but there is a catch. I am going to test you. I only want you to gather enough bread for one day at a time. And so wake up, gather your daily bread, and no more. And then when tomorrow comes, I will send more bread. So that's the passage. And if you haven't read the book of Exodus in a while, I'm sure you can at least guess what happens next. God sends Israel a one-day supply or a supply of bread, uh, but instead of gathering a one-day supply, they hoard as much as they can because they don't believe that God will send more the next day. And so I want you to imagine a kid who's having dinner with his parents who starts to stuff dinner rolls in his jacket because he's scared that his parents won't feed him the next night. That would be a very sad and messed up situation, but that is exactly what the Israelites do. God saves them from the land of Egypt. The people of Israel think God is trying to kill them. God sends bread from heaven and says, the supply will never end. The Israelites anxiously grab as much as they can like a squirrel storing up nuts for the winter. They try and provide for themselves. The moment they feel hunger, literally and symbolically speaking, they start to stuff themselves. They do not trust in God's provision meaning that if the wilderness was a test, the biblical witness would be that the people of God failed that particular test. Now, last week, we talked about Jesus's mission to lead God's new exodus. And we said that through Jesus's death, he accomplished what the old covenant was powerless to do, the defeat of sin and death. We talked about how the Red Sea was split with Jesus's cross, and we said that how in the new Exodus, Jesus leads his people to the new promised land, which Jesus called the kingdom of God. That's the cliff notes if you weren't in church last week. But here is what I did not tell you. For Jesus to lead God's new exodus, Jesus must succeed where the Israelites in the Old Testament failed. He must prove himself faithful to God. And so in today's gospel, the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness, just like the Israelites before him. And what we see is that unlike God's people in the Old Testament, Jesus did fully trust in God's provision. The people of Israel was tempted and they sinned. Jesus was tempted and he did not sin. Israel, when confronted with hunger, looked back to Egypt. Jesus, when confronted with hunger, looked forward to the cross. Jesus fully trusted in God's provision. He was completely and totally faithful to God, not just for 40 days in the wilderness, but from the day he was born until his last breath on that cross. As the author of Hebrews puts it, he was tempted in every way as we are, in every way as we are yet, 
he did not sin. So here's why this matters as we move into Lent. In today's reading from Romans, we heard that if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart, you will be saved. In other words, Paul reminds us of that great gospel truth about how we are saved by our faith in Christ, which of course is absolutely true. But here is what is also true, something you probably did not know. When the New Testament uses the specific words, faith in, faith in Christ, you and I are only hearing half the story. Because another translation of that Greek phrase tells us that faith in could also be translated faithfulness of. We are saved by faith in Christ. We are saved by the faithfulness of Christ. One Greek word, two different translations, both of which are 100% accurate and true. Now, most Bibles really prefer the first translation. We're saved by our faith in Christ. It's very Protestant and Reformed. But in my opinion, I was about to say in my humble opinion, in my humble but accurate opinion, <laughs> the second translation is where our focus needs to be as we move into Lent. You and I are saved by the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. You see, this takes the emphasis off of us and places the emphasis where it belongs onto Jesus. In other words, you and I are not saved because we are faithful. We're saved because God is faithful. <clears throat> and so let's you and I not place too great an emphasis on our faith during Lent. The emphasis needs to be on Christ, on his faithfulness, and not our own, because at the end of the day, you and I are just like this God's people in the Old Testament. We are little kids with four M&Ms on our plate. And the moment we feel hunger, I'm talking about physical hunger, spiritual hunger, emotional hunger, we tend to stuff our faces and our minds and our hearts with spiritual junk food, the types of food that always fail to nourish our soul and certainly not the food that God alone can provide. Now, our M&Ms are all different. Food, shopping, excessive work, TV, gossip, a need to correct people, a need to be right, on and on goes the list, but... We all use something to take our minds off that hunger that God alone can fill. The good news of today's gospel, the meaning of Jesus' time in the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan is that Jesus did not do that. He sat in his hunger, he waited in his hunger, he prayed in his hunger, he obeyed in his hunger. Jesus was tempted in every way, as we are, yet he did not sin. And because of Jesus' faithfulness and not our own, God's new exodus moves forward, and you and I move forward in it. 
And so on this first Sunday of Lent, together as the people of God, we do join Jesus in the wilderness, but we also remember what it is that we celebrate, Jesus' faithfulness and not our own. Lent is about Jesus' sinlessness, his obedience, his perfect submission to his Father's will. And so whenever you find yourself hungry for food, turn to the one who refused to turn stones into bread. When hungry for power, turn to the one who refused the kingdoms of the world. When hungry for recognition, turn to the one who refused to win fame by flying off the temple and having the angels catch him. Because at the end of the day, you and I are not really hungry for any of these things, for power, for wealth, for recognition, or for any other spiritual junk food. Our world hungers for a much greater reality, love. Our world is starving for love. And what Lent reminds us is that love can be known through the faithfulness of Christ, a faithfulness seen most clearly in Jesus' obedience, even to the point of dying on a cross. Lent is not a test. It's not about trying to exercise our own moral muscle and then getting scared and depressed and guilty when we inevitably fail to live up to our own expectations. Lent is not a test. Jesus has already passed every test on our behalf. Lent isn't a test, but it is an invitation. It's an invitation to join Jesus in the wilderness as a people set free from slavery. It's an invitation to find our life in the cross. It's an invitation to trust in the provision of God and to follow Jesus to the promised land. Amen.